Hey, good morning, Redemption Tempe. Hey, yes, someone said faith. Yes, awesome. Um, Hey, great to see you all. My name is John Crawford. I'm one of your pastors here, and I'm excited to be with you guys. It's great to see you guys as always. And we are continuing in our Word and Spirit, uh, Word and Spirit series today as we look at God's Word together. Well, a little over a year ago, Warren and I, we heard about something that was going on in our church, something that was happening in our church, and it was unsettling. It was problematic. Because what we found out was that there was a guy who had recently started coming to Redemption Tempe. He had gotten connected in a few different ways. And this guy was propositioning young women in our church to come to his house to shoot porn. Whoa, right? Unsettling. Very problematic. And so what did Warren and I do? Well, we met with the guy, right? We, we had a conversation with him. We met with him. And it was a very interesting meeting, to say the least. And the thing that made it so interesting was that this guy was using God's word to support what he was doing. He's using God's word to support what he was doing. He had built his own well-formed theology to support what he was doing. And he was talking to Warren and I, and this guy was trying to convince us that he, was, he had a good interpretation of Scripture. So much so that he was trying to persuade Warren and I, like, hey, you guys should really try this. And, and Warren and I looked at him like, hey, dude, <laughs> that ain't happening, man. Sorry, like, that ain't happening. This guy was massively misinterpreting and mishandling God's word. And around that same time, there was a couple uh, that had recently gotten engaged. They started coming to our church and they reached out to me and they said, hey, John, will, will you do our premarital counseling? I said, sure, I'd love to do your premarital counseling. So we meet for the first session of premarital counseling and they tell me, hey, just so you know, we're living together, we're sleeping together, we're having sex. Um, and, uh, I said, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, let's go to God's word and let's see what the Bible has to say about this. And I challenged them with God's word about what they were doing. And they told me, you are wrong. We think you're wrong. We think the whole church doctrine is wrong. And this is why we think you're wrong because we've prayed about it. And we prayed, and the Holy Spirit told us that what we are doing is perfectly fine. And so you are wrong. Just for clarity, it's not okay. (laughs) What they're doing is not okay. But it makes us ask the question, how does this happen? How did these people arrive at their conclusions using the word and spirit? What's well, because they were approaching God's word and spirit individualistically without any community. And this is dangerous. But here's the thing. We do this too. We can do this too. And it happens with all kinds of things throughout life. Maybe it's not as extreme as the two stories I shared, and I, I hope it's not. But it's quitting jobs. It's ending relationships. It's justifying the mistreatment of certain people. It's 
making financial decisions that we want to make. And the list goes on and on and on. And here's why approaching God's word and spirit individualistically is dangerous. It's because we are designed to encounter God's word and spirit in community. That's how we're designed. And so as we continue in our word and spirit sermon series this morning, we're going to be talking about the word and spirit in community. And so let's open God's word. Let's dive into God's word together. And just so you know where we're going, we're going to be looking at several different New Testament passages. All of these passages are going to be the introduction to New Testament books of the Bible, or we could say letters. We're going to read several different introductions to New Testament letters. And so if you want, you can pull out your Bible or go to an app, but all of these verses are going to be on the screen just because it'll be easier because we're going to be hitting um, a number of them. And so first, let's look at Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And if we turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2 The introduction is to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together. Let's go to Ephesians chapter one, verses one and two. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians one, verse one. Paul and Timothy Servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. You can begin to hear a pattern in these introductions, but Paul writes all of these, and so is this just how Paul writes? Well, let's look at Peter, 1 Peter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and Asia. What about John? 2 John, verse 1 the elder to the elect lady and her children, that's the church, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. What all of these introductions in the New Testament letters show us, and a bunch more that we're not covering, they show us the word in community, that we are designed to encounter God's word in community. But when we talk about encountering God's word, I think for us, we automatically assume that it's something that you do by yourself, right? Like this is what I do by myself. It's my quiet time, my devotional time, my personal time with Jesus. But that is not the case biblically or throughout history. And so should you read the Bible alone? Yes, you should read the Bible alone. That is a very good thing. I'm not saying not to do that, but... Know that you're reading scripture as a member of a community. And it's crucial to recognize the design of God's word, that it's meant to be encountered in community. And where do we see this? In these introductions. Well, each one of these is filled with language to the church at fill in the blank, to the church at Rome, to the church in Corinth, or if it's not to the church at, it's to the saints who are at Ephesus to the saints at Philippi. God's word was written to church communities. It was for communities of Christians living in various places. 
And so it's written to God's people living in these different cities, Philippi, Ephesus, wherever it may be. And God's word is received by the church community. And once it's received, once the the church at Philippi gets this letter from Paul, it's now read aloud. It's read out loud to the entire community, the whole letter. The book of Ephesians would have been read in one sitting to the entire community of people, not just a few verses or sentences, but the whole letter. Because we call these books of the Bible, but these are actually letters. They were received by communities, but here's the thing. When we think about letters, I think for us, we think about like pen pals, right? And I know there's not really that many pen pals anymore because of technology, um, but we're still familiar with a pen pal, right? That's you write a letter to someone who lives in a different place and then they correspond back to you and it's a very individual thing. But that's not the case with letters in the ancient world. They were written to communities. And so you can think about, think about it this way, since pen pals are like a thing of the past. Think about BCC on an email, being blind copied on an email. We hate it, right? It's annoying to be blind copied on an email. You're getting some, some spam in your inbox. But to these churches receiving these letters, They were BCC'd on these letters and they expected it. They weren't annoyed by it and they would have felt left out if they weren't included. And here's the important thing for us to understand. The reason why these letters were read aloud to the communities that were receiving them, it was in order to form their identity as God's people together, to teach them together, to protect them from dangerous false teaching together. And as they heard the letter from Paul or Peter or James or John or whoever it may be, they then would have discussed it in community, which would have reinforced their belief. And it would have showed them as a people how to live in light of what they were hearing. Encountering God's word in community can save you from the dangers of false teaching and bad interpretation. Back in 2016, if you guys remember that, I know that was a while ago, but there was a lot of tension in our country. And in 2016, Mariah and I were leading an RC. We were hosting the RC at our house. And uh, one night, a guy in our RC got really, really upset. Something that somebody said in our, in our community group set him off. And this guy went off for five minutes, just yelling at us. He went off on a tirade. And then he and his wife got up, they grabbed their stuff, they stormed out of our front door, slammed the door, and left all of us in the RC sitting in our living room like, whoa, what, what just happened? And we started talking like, hey, did, did we say something? Did, did that come out of left field? It seemed like it came out of left field. We're like, yeah, we, we have no idea what's going on. And so... Our RC felt like, man, this is, this is big. This might rip our community apart. And so Mariah and I reached out to them and said, hey, do you guys want to come over to our house later in the week? So this couple came over and uh, we just got to listen to their stories and really were trying to hear what was underneath the anger. Like what's behind all the anger that came out? What triggered you to get you so mad? And as we were listening, it became very apparent to me that this guy had read very little scripture. And what he had read, I could clearly tell he had read by himself alone. And so I felt like God was nudging me, like, hey, you need to invite this dude to Bible study, right? To study God's word, read scripture in community. And I'm like, oh, okay, Lord. Um, 
Here we go. And so uh, after the meeting, I, I reached out to the guy the next day. I said, hey, man, this might sound weird, but I feel like the Lord is, is telling me that we need to read the word together and do a Bible study. And, and I would love to read through James together. You know, and the guy was still upset. And so he responds and, you know, he's, he's very cautious. And he's like, why do you want to read the book of James with me? What are you going to try to do to me? And I was like, I'm not going to try to do anything, man. I just want to read the Bible with you. He's like, are you trying to trick me or something? I was like, no, I'm not trying to trick you. I, I just, James is a short book of the Bible. It's pretty straightforward. It's one of the easier ones to understand in the Bible. And it'd be great if we, if we could do this together. And so he cautiously said, yeah, let's do it. So for the next six months, we met every week, once a week. We read through the entirety of James. And what happened was amazing. It was amazing because the Holy Spirit moved through our time together and convicted this guy of his sin. And you're, you're probably wondering, uh, well, what was the issue, right? You didn't tell us what he was so mad about. You know what? I'm going to leave it blank. I'm going to let you fill in the blank with whatever crazy thing you're tempted to believe, and you can fill in the blank with that. Because here's, here's the point. The Spirit of God moved through our time in his word and community and convicted this guy of what he believed and how he behaved. Spirit of God showed him idols that he was worshiping that he didn't even know that he was worshiping, and this guy repented. And he didn't repent because I said, hey, man, you're in sin. You need to repent. The Spirit of God moved in his life through his word, and this guy repented for all of the stuff that he brought into the RC and why he went off on the RC. And then he even apologized to our RC. It was unbelievable. Because when you encounter God's word in community, God forms you and transforms you. You are designed to encounter God's word in community in order to be formed into the image of Jesus. And just like this guy from my RC, God's word is powerful and it transforms you and it makes you more like Christ. And this is why you need God's word because you are all being formed by something. You're all being formed by something and there are competing stories in our world and in our society that will shape you and form you, but they won't just form you, they will deform you and they will make you less like Jesus. We need to encounter God's word in community and be shaped by him so that we can become more like him and reflect his beauty in the world. But this is the crazy thing. The craziest thing is that entire Christian communities can be formed by something besides God's word. Entire Christian communities can be formed by something besides God's word. The answer is not community. The answer is God's word in community. That is what we need to be formed by. But also, encountering God's word in community gives you a much richer experience of who God is. And if we go back to some of those introductory passages to these New Testament letters, I'll just pick on one, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 7, where Paul writes to Rome and says, those in Rome who are loved by God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. This you language permeates not only the New Testament introductions, but permeates the New Testament. But that word you 
is actually plural in the original language. It's you all or y'all, we could say. We could say y'all. Yes, I need some people that say y'all. I don't actually talk like that. Kenzie Harris, uh, that's a shout out to her. Kenzie talks like that. She's like, John, I thought you were going to give me a shout out at the nine and I didn't. So Kenzie, Kenzie would say it like that. But see, as the original audience heard these letters read aloud as a community, they would have listened with a we, not me perspective. Their ears would have been attuned to the we, not me, because they were listening to God's address to the community. They would, they would have been thinking as they heard it, how is God forming us as a community? The we changes emphasis and understanding. And, you know, we see this in, in society, right? Everybody's got like the Christian mug that's got the Bible verse on it. And hear me, I'm not against the, the Christian mug with the Bible verse. It, it, you know, it looks something like this. There will probably be a picture on the screen here in a second. But the way that we, the way that we oftentimes read these, there might be a picture on the screen in a second. <laughs> uh, the way that we read these coffee mug verses um, is typically individualistically. Right? We read them individualistically, and it sounds different when it's read in community. And so we just take this coffee mug, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. But when Paul was writing this, Paul's saying, Christ in y'all, the hope of glory. Or if it's Philippians 2, verse 5, which is probably on another coffee mug somewhere, have the same mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, no, have the same mind among y'all, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Or Ephesians 2, 22. In Jesus, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul says, no, in Jesus, y'all, you all are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The emphasis throughout Scripture, and with these yous in Scripture, when they're plural, the emphasis is not on me, but it's on we. And this is important. It's important that we realize this because encountering God's word in community gives you a fuller, more beautiful picture of who God is. Because sure, you can read your Bible alone, but wouldn't you want to see more of the beauty of God if you could? Because our perspectives... Right? There's something about perspective. Other perspectives help you and are vital because your social location influences your reading and understanding of Scripture. And there is a great benefit of encountering God's Word in community with people from different backgrounds. And I think about even in my own life, people from our church. Michel Duarte is on staff um, with us, and he's a dear friend of mine, but he grew up in Brazil. He's lived around the world a few different places, and we went through four years of seminary together, and hearing how Michelle reads and understands and wrestles with things through a different background and cultural lens has been incredible for me to be able to experience more beauty of God through Michelle. Or I think of the Vaughns, Brad and Carrie Vaughn, and Brad is a biblical scholar, and they spent nearly two decades in China, and he's done a lot of his theological work on honor and shame. And I've learned a ton from Brad about honor and shame um, because of his experience in China for almost 20 years. But it's not just the value of the interpersonal relationships with different backgrounds. This is something we don't talk about a lot, but this is the value of the global and historic church. 
that we as Redemption Tempe didn't just get plopped here, right? Like we are not the only church, as you guys know, but the church is global, right? Every tribe, tongue, nation, and there is a benefit of hearing from the global church perspective of how are we wrestling with this and living it out through a different cultural lens. This is all where church history comes in as well. There's a beauty of we stand in a long tradition of church fathers and mothers who have gone before us. And it is beautiful to see how in a different era and time period, the people of God wrestled with scripture and interpreted it through a different era. And these things are massively beneficial so that we can actually get a fuller, more beautiful picture of God. But here's the other thing. The other reason why we need each other is because we need the perspective of the person that's been in the pit. We need the perspective of the person who has suffered greatly. We need to be able to see God through their eyes and see a richer, more beautiful picture of who God is through the person that's been in the pit. And I think because we value community so much at Redemption Tempe, I'm safe to guess that most of you sitting here know that you need community. I think that's a safe assumption. It's like you sitting here saying, hey, yeah, we, we need community. But here's what I wonder. I wonder, do you know that the community needs you? Do you know that the community needs you? Because you're sitting here this morning and you have a story and you have a perspective that you've brought to our community and that's valuable. It's valuable to us as followers of Jesus. It enables us to have a fuller, more beautiful picture of who God is. And so as you hear this, some of you may be asking the question, hey, so how should I do this in community? You're talking about encountering God's word in community. How should I do this? Do I need to abandon my personal Bible reading? No, don't do that, please. I'm gonna say that multiple times. That is very good. Don't abandon reading scripture on your own, but figure out ways that you can read it communally with others. We created this Word and Spirit resource. One of the weeks in that resource is actually reading the letter of 1 John communally, in community. And so with your RC, read 1 John together. Read it aloud, the entirety of the letter. Read it with your friends, your family. This is common in other parts of the world today. Or the other thing that's actually really beneficial and fruitful is have discussions about God's Word with other people. It gives you a different perspective and a window into more of the beauty of who God is through just discussing scripture with others. And if you're curious, some of you are just like, well, hey, I'm, I'm curious about this. I would love to learn more. Come to First Wednesday. Warren and Jackie just talked about it. It's gonna be a great night. We've got Mike Goheen, who's a biblical scholar and a mentor to many of us. He's actually gonna be talking about how to approach God's word together as a story. Um, and what does that look like for us? And so come to First Wednesday be a great resource. But church, we are designed to encounter God's word in community. And when we do, it's powerful and it is beautiful. Turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It'll also be on the screen. That's where we're going to be going next. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, Paul writes this to the uh, church in Corinth, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's interesting because I feel like whenever we talk about spiritual gifts, that's exactly how we feel, uninformed. 
But Paul's saying, hey, the whole reason why I'm writing this, I want you to be informed. And so what I want you guys to know is throughout this series, we want you to be informed about spiritual gifts, and we are going to press into that in future sermons on our podcast at First Wednesday. And so we're not going to be talking about spiritual gifts today, but what we want to look at is why does God give these gifts? Why does God give spiritual gifts to the church? And so for that, we're going to scroll down a few verses. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 20. And this is what Paul writes. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. What this passage shows us is the spirit in community, that we are designed to encounter God's spirit in community. And so why does God give these gifts to the church? Paul tells us right here, it's to build up the body, to build up the body. But I think when, when we think about spiritual gifts, what is oftentimes common is to think about, well, these are gifts just for me, right? These are for my own personal experience with God. But to the Corinthians, the church in Corinth, they would have never heard it that way. They would have heard this as we need each other because Paul gives this powerful metaphor of the body, that we are the body. And so Paul uses this metaphor to demonstrate the reality that we need each other that the gifts are designed to build up the body, to build up the church community. And Paul says that different members have different functions, that all of us are different members and we play a role in the body. We have different functions. The body is built up, the body's healthy, the body flourishes when all members are using and exercising their gifts. This is for far more than just individual experience. Paul wants us to know that we are interdependent. We are not independent of each other. And the goal of these gifts is that the body would be built up. Well, if we think about the physical body, now where is the physical body built? At the gym, right? The physical body is built up at the gym. And when you exercise, all parts of the body, the entirety of your body is built up at the gym. But we've all seen the dude that skips leg day. Come on. We've all seen the dude that skips leg day, not exercising all parts of his body. And here's what Paul's saying. Paul says right here, don't be the church that skips leg day. That's what Paul's saying. Don't be the church that skips leg day. And this is powerful because when the members of the body are using their gifts to build up the body, the Holy Spirit does powerful things in the life of the community. And if I'm honest, when we talk about spiritual gifts, I used to be suspicious of spiritual gifts, like real suspicious. And especially when it came to more like miraculous things. 
And then I was in seminary several years ago and I felt God stirring something in me. And I actually felt like God was convicting me to say, hey, I want you to press into spiritual gifts. I want you to go out on a limb and press in to some of the more miraculous things like healing. Well, it was during that season that a guy in our RC was diagnosed with a very rare, aggressive form of cancer in his leg. Due to the type of cancer that he was diagnosed with, he was told that he would never be in remission, that it would be impossible, that was off the table. And so uh, he had surgery, they operated on his leg, and then uh, several weeks after the surgery, he was at our RC. And during this RC, um, we felt like it was important to pray for this guy because this was a pretty pivotal time for him. He was gonna be going in for his first scan post-surgery that week. And so he was nervous, he was worried, didn't know what, what, the, you know, what things were gonna look like, if cancer had spread, all of that. And so we felt, hey, we, we really feel like God is, is calling us to pray for this guy. <clears throat> and so that's what we did. We spent the bulk of the RC praying for this guy. We laid hands on him. We're pleading with God, interceding on his behalf that Jesus would heal this guy and, and that not only the surgery would have worked, but that Jesus would miraculously eradicate the cancer in his body and that he would be cancer-free and, and Jesus would restore his health. And so he went in for a scan uh, later that week. And as soon as he got the results, he texted me. He said, this is unbelievable. He said, I don't even have words right now. I got the results back from the scan and there is no sign of cancer anywhere in my body. So much so that the doctors, the same doctors that told him, hey, you will never be in remission. They said, hey, your scan looks so good and so clear that we're actually comfortable saying you're in remission. It's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And what is more amazing is that you know that that was six years ago. It was six years ago, and since that time, he's been told that he is officially cancer-free and he has not had any cancer in his body for six years because Jesus showed up and powerfully healed him. It's amazing. But the other thing that's important with this story is that we know that the reason why this happened is that the Holy Spirit moved in power through the various gifts that were used in our RC. And this is important because it could just be easy to highlight the healing and it's like, oh, someone had the gift of healing. But that would have never happened if it wasn't for someone's gift of hospitality, someone's gift of mercy, someone's gift of faith. And yeah, healing happened, but it was all of the gifts working together and the Holy Spirit showed up. When people use their gifts and when the Holy Spirit moves, it builds up the community. And what this shows us is that you were designed to encounter God's Spirit in order to build up the body. And maybe you're sitting here and maybe some of you actually need to explore spiritual gifts that you haven't explored before. Maybe some of you, like me, were feeling like, man, I'm, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I need to press into this. I've been suspicious and maybe... God is actually stirring something in you to press in and explore and pursue spiritual gifts that you never have before. And if you do, here's what is important to know is that the goal is not that you would become super spiritual. The goal is that you would build up the body. And just like with this guy's healing in my RC, this was actually only the third time that I had ever actively prayed for someone to be healed. 
This was a new thing. And I was going out on a limb. And if I'm honest, it's pretty intimidating. I kind of felt like I was putting God on the spot, you know, and it was pretty intimidating. But yet God used that. And so maybe some of you are sitting here and you're like, well, how do I even explore or pursue spiritual gifts? I, I don't know, but that sounds interesting. Well, once again, in this series, there's going to be a lot more to come on spiritual gifts. But what I want you to know is that we are here for you. We would love to talk with you, help you discern, process through gifts. Come talk to me. Come talk to any of the pastors, the leaders here, men and women here would love to help you navigate that. But here's the other thing that I know. Some of you sitting here this morning have gifts and you're not using them to build up the body. Some of you have gifts and you're just not using them to build up the body, but according to Paul, we don't have ears without you. According to Paul, we don't have eyes without you. We need you. We need you to use your gifts to build up the body. That's this whole body metaphor is without you, we're actually missing parts of the body in order to be healthy and flourish. But this is the problem, I think, whenever we talk about spiritual things in our culture, that spiritual things are thought about very, very individualistically. Meditation and mindfulness, these things, the goal of these things is that you would become your best self. But in scripture, it's about others. We tend to think about the gifts being for us, but we should actually think of them as being gifts through us, that we are not the mailbox, we are the mailman. The gifts are given to the church, flowing through people to serve, to bless, and to build up others. But there's another reason why we need to encounter the Spirit in community, and that's because we need community for discernment. There's a really powerful example of this in the book of Acts with the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 21, Paul is going to go to Jerusalem to share the gospel. He feels called by God, I'm going to Jerusalem. But there's a guy named Agabus. And Agabus gets a prophetic word for Paul. And this prophetic word is regarding Paul going to Jerusalem. And Agabus says this, he says, hey, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be bound, tied, arrested, and imprisoned. This is what's going to happen, Paul. And so, Paul, do not go to Jerusalem. But Agabus, his word is brought to the community to discern. And as the community discerns, they decide that Agabus has the right word, but the wrong application. That discerning this word, they discern that Paul was actually supposed to still go to Jerusalem, but he needed to be prepared to be imprisoned. And Paul was absolutely prepared to be imprisoned. And so Paul went to Jerusalem. But Agabus, he needed to bring his encounter with the Spirit, this prophetic word, to the community in order to discern it. This reminds me of a few years ago in my own life, that before COVID, um, this really powerful thing happened in my life. I received a vision from the Lord, like a legitimate vision from the Lord. And it had never happened in my life before. And so it was like, whoa, what is going on? but I received a vision and it was very vivid 
And so God had my attention. And based on what I saw in this vision, I was absolutely convinced that God was calling me to plant a church, that I was called to be a church planter and plant a church outside of Redemption Tempe. And, you know, I, I was convinced by this, not only because what I saw in the, in the vision, but, you know, in pastoral ministry, if you're a church planter, you're kind of like the Navy SEALs of pastors. And so that, that's a thing too. Um, but here's the reality. My assumption was God's calling me to plant a church, but I needed community to help me discern. And so that's what I did. I invited community in. Marika was obviously a part of this. Ricardo, who was our old lead pastor, was a part of it. Jim was a part of it. Josh was a part of it. A couple of the other guys here, some friends who are not a part of redemption, who are pastors. And we went into this season of discernment of like, what is God actually saying? Because this was a real legit vision. And as I discerned with community, two things became very clear that God was saying to me through this vision. Number one, God was preparing me and our church for something big and unexpected. Number two, the second thing was that God was actually not calling me to leave Redemption Tempe to plant a church, but he was calling me to stay at Redemption Tempe for this next big thing that he was preparing. Well, the powerful thing was this vision happened before Ricardo, our old lead pastor, left. It happened before COVID broke out and completely restructured the totality of our church. It happened before I stopped being bivocational, running a salon and pastoring, and when I came on full-time as a pastor. It happened before my pastoral role expanded and became an executive pastor and all of those things. This is really powerful that God was saying something, but I needed the community of people to help me discern. Otherwise, I probably would have left and planted a church and probably would have failed. So um, I needed the discernment of people. But here's the beautiful thing about that vision that's really encouraging, is that once again, the word was right, but maybe the application was wrong in my own life, is that God actually was calling me to plant a church but it was here at Redemption Tempe. And this was the dominant paradigm that not only I had throughout COVID, but this was the dominant paradigm that our leadership team had throughout COVID is that we were replanting Redemption Tempe. In the same way, you were designed to encounter God's spirit in community in order to discern how to use spiritual gifts well. Because as, as we press into the Holy Spirit, you need community to help you discern just like I did and just like Agabus did. But also as we press into the Holy Spirit, community is one of the very important guardrails that we have along with scripture as well. And here's why. Here's why you need community as a guardrail. It's so that someone doesn't become the self-proclaimed prophet who walks around saying, God told me, God told me this, God told me that, God told me this, with the authority of God and no one can ever question them because they're the self-proclaimed prophet. But you also need community as a guardrail so that people aren't being thrown under the bus, so that people's names aren't being slandered, that people aren't being manipulated with spiritual gifts. Because if these things happen, then the body is not actually being built up, like Paul says, is the purpose of these gifts, but the body is actually being torn down. And that's a problem. And so community is a guardrail. 
But another reason why we need community as a guardrail is I think if we can just be honest, I think we need to be honest about this. We need community because we can try to make our way God's way rather than making God's way our way. And those are two wildly different things. And we need community to help us discern our motives and discern what is God saying? What is God's way in your life? But maybe for some of you, as you hear this, it does stir something in you. Maybe you feel like Agabus this morning. Maybe, you, maybe you've experienced spiritual gifts. Maybe you're experiencing uh, God speaking to you in, in ways that might even be weird or confusing. Maybe you feel like you're getting prophetic words or you're having visions, whatever it may be. And maybe you identify with Agabus this morning. And what I would say is you don't need to feel weird. You don't need to feel weird. You don't need to feel lonely. Like we are here for you as a church community and we wanna help you. We wanna walk with you. We wanna help you discern. And also we're in this together. We as a church are pressing into the Holy Spirit together. And so church, as we press into the word and spirit at Redemption Tempe, we want to use guardrails and drive safe so that, we don't have stories and situations like what I shared in my introduction. But we also want to step on the gas and we wanna drive. We wanna step on the gas and drive as we press into the word and spirit because we want to have a richer experience of God together and we want our body to be built up in community. And so this morning, there is an invitation for us this morning. And the invitation this morning is to the bread and the wine. It's to the communion table, which is an invitation to Jesus this morning. You are invited to Jesus, the living word, so that you can know him and encounter him. And some of you may be wondering, well, how is the communion table an invitation to Jesus? It's an invitation to Jesus through his spirit. You can't see the physical Jesus, but you can experience his presence and power with you through his word and his sacraments. And so we come to the table this morning because we are a word and spirit community bound together by the blood of Jesus. And so as we partake of the elements, the bread represents Christ's body that was freely given for us and the wine or the juice represent Christ's blood that was shed for us. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for the gift of your church. We are gathered together by the power of your spirit. And Jesus, we ask that you would be stirring in us a deeper longing and desire for you. Jesus, that uh, we would be immersed in the presence of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus, I thank you for the gift of community, but it's not just a gift, Lord, it's how we were designed to encounter your word and your spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that as we do this, you would transform lives and that you would form us to be more like you, Jesus. Lord, and that as we do this, that we would experience a richer picture of who you are that as we do this, the, the body would be built up with gifts. And Lord, that we would be able to discern well 
Lord, our gifts and use them ultimately for your purposes and your glory. And so, Jesus, I pray that that you would captivate our hearts this morning, that we would worship you rightly, Lord, because you are deserving. And so, Lord, we devote the rest of our time to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.